Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Yeah, I would say we're feeling a little bit looser. Sure. I think I just cut myself. Oh, no. (laughs) What did you do? Because I've got this damn thing that's healing from the my zip lining accident. Oh, and I was um, over here being an idiot, and so I, I just <laughs> impaled. You're so butch. <laughs> oh my god, it ripped. All right, um, sorry, I'll fix it. So sorry. You're joining us on Shrink Chat. <laughs> so this is Shrink Chat. Welcome. It's Shannon and Kathy. Um, and we are here, and this show is obviously a little bit looser. I'm just gonna hold my arm up. <laughs> oh, you're an above really my heart. Ridiculous. <laughs> Make sure oh, it's the smallest scratch ever. Yeah, <laughs> and she's so, holding her arm up. She doesn't sure. bleed to death. No, it's just so I don't have to get up. <laughs> oh. Take care of it. <laughs> no, please don't leave me in the middle <laughs> of the show. All right, so here we are. <laughs> we always start with a little bit of research, so let's do that. So imagine that you are seated at your desk. Imagining it. Uh, I'm seated at my desk. Actually, really. Living it. Here, here we are, hashtag real. Ready to take the final exam in, uh, let's say, history, for lack of a better subject. Just before the exams are handed out, a television crew appears and sets up a camera and lights aimed directly at you. They explain that they're filming students during exams for a television special. You are told to ignore the camera and go ahead with your exam. Would the presence of a TV camera affect your performance on an exam? For some of you, the answer would be definitely yes, and for others, probably not. In fact, both answers are right. Whether the TV camera affects performance depends on your personality. Some of you would become terribly distressed and self-conscious, while others really could ignore the camera and go on as if they everything was normal. What do you think you would do, Kathy? I think a lot of it has to do with whether you've ever had to work in front of a camera sure. in the past. Sure. Which I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I... Let me ask this. Yeah. The camera's on. Mm-hmm. Is anyone behind that camera? Or yeah, is the camera Yeah, there's they're filming they say that they're filming students and they're uh, Oh then they're, yeah. I that would affect me. Yeah. If there was just a camera in the room Oh yeah, no. No. I the way I'm reading it is that a television crew appears That's and sets clear. up a camera and lights. Yeah. So I I th- I mean, depending on what I was being asked to do. You're gonna take an exam. <clears throat> You're not gonna do anything except go on with what you were going to take an exam when you got to that class and then oh they show up they, oh, they're no. going to film you no not if i'm taking an exam so she's going back and forth i think if i if they if i was doing something else that they were like observing mm-hmm. i don't know i was talking or yeah but taking an exam i could zone them out yeah i think i'd be able to zone them out i do think that it would be realistic for for me to assume that um i would be self-conscious but I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know beyond that. Like how much that I, would actually affect. Yeah, the I don't score know how much it would test. affect exactly. So, in an experiment, hey, in an experiment that duplicates the situation, Schrager, nineteen seventy-two, tested participants on a concept formation task. So, 
Half of the participants worked alone with no audience and half worked with an audience of people who claimed to be interested in observing the experiment. So not only was there a camera and a television crew, there was an audience observing the experiment, supposedly. Oh. Schrager also divided the participants into two groups on the basis of personality. So one group was high in self-esteem and one group was low in self-esteem. The dependent variable for this experiment was the number of errors on the concept formation task. So it wasn't an exam. It was a form like a concept formation task, I guess. Um, so what happened is the audience the audience had no effect on the high self-esteem participants and the low self-esteem participants made nearly twice as many errors with an audience as when, as when working alone. Hmm. Yeah. So if it, this, this is what they're saying is, is it's possible that if you have low self-esteem to begin with and you have people watching you, you will make twice as many errors. I mean, that makes sense. It does make sense. So that's my research. So what have you been watching? That's what we do next. What have you been watching, Kathy? Sidle up to the I haven't been bar watching, and tell me. <laughs> I haven't been watching anything new, but okay. I have gone back and I restarted and now I'm actually moving through Transparent. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, which is now, you can get it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you. that's pieces. where I watched it. Yeah. You've watched it all? Um, no. Okay. No, no, no. I'm, I'm on the second season. Okay. I know certain things that happen because of the media stuff that's sure. around it. Um, first of all, I think it's a great show. It is a great show. And Gabby Hoffman is fucking hysterical. Mm. I mean, they're all great. Yeah, I, I laughed out loud because sure. I went back to rewatch the first season where she's like, I called him Mappa. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me. I think it's her delivery and her relationship yeah. with her siblings. Papa and Mama. Yeah. Like, Mama and Papa up. mixed. Yeah. yeah. Mappa. And she's, <laughs> their sister's like, that's brilliant. She's like, it's fucking insane. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the main character is a transgendered person. Woman, yeah. So <clears throat> I'm, I went back to watch it for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I had never, I haven't seen it all the way through okay. all the seasons. Um, and it was one of those that just sat there and I decided, okay, I, I want to go back and watch it. Okay. I also think we are, it's timely mm-hmm. as far as just where we are civilly, like the climate. Yeah, you bet. I work with a lot of LGBT youth, mm-hmm. teenagers. Um, and I've been telling people recently that I haven't, I, I my group has, I, I run a, a teen group for LGBT individuals or allies. Um, but I've recently noticed within the last, not recently, six months to a year that the LGB kids, the lesbian, gay, bisexual kids who identify that way, um, don't feel the amount of distress so much. Mm-hmm. And now it's more yeah. the trans community, which yep. I have two feelings about that. One, I think that's incredible that we've made this much progress, Agreed. that so much that kids don't even really feel the need to come out anymore. They kids, just kids that are life. getting kids that are getting support. I think is a piece yes. of that as well. Yeah, right. This is Southern California for right. one. Right. But there's just also more support in general, whether it's the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be people who always don't support something. Um, but the trans community, how isolated they are, and this show even though, and I'll talk about Jeffrey Tambor in a second, but even though there's a lot of negative press around him, he was phenomenal in this character. And I think that I was, I was having a conversation with someone last night 
and we were discussing how it did so much for the trans community mm-hmm. and really let people in on how difficult yes it is to go through this process mm-hmm. i think that that a lot of the trans community that we have seen on on tv have been celebrities who have the means they have the money they even have the the money for the surgery to pass even mm-hmm. more yeah. um and I, I don't want to minimize their struggle but this was a very raw yeah there's a spectrum right yes it's a spectrum when you have resources it helps <laughs> and it, it really points to because it starts in like night they do flashbacks to mm-hmm. 1994 which yeah. we have made so much progress since then oh my gosh um and bradley whitford is hysterical in it too it's like he to is. see him he in is. this character as a trans woman is <laughs> so, so amazing all the characters are great but with all of this being said and how much it did for the trans community it's so ironic then you have the main character who is harassed and isolated and treated this way through mm-hmm. these seasons end up being a real life predator yes. on set to the trans women. Mm. Um, and I was reading an article here. It's an old article because this is not new news. Mm-hmm. It's from 2018, 2018. Okay. Um, how they were, um, the actress, Trace Lisette, who, who plays... Um, one of the characters on the show, she's a trans woman, says how, you know, he really got away with a slap on the wrist and they really believe it's because they're trans women. Yeah. And many people's eyes, that's not a real woman. Well, and and I and my understanding, and correct me if I'm way off base here, is that with within the LGBTQIAA um, community, that the transgendered people are vilified by their own community yes yeah and there's so many we were talking about this too there's so many subcultures within this community and Mm -hmm. what i've noticed just like in any minority culture is the people who are oppressed are going to fight against one another and create more oppression Mm -hmm. and then you've got the people up on top going, yeah, let them kill each other off. Yeah, you see it in all marginalized communities. You see it with African-American and Hispanic cultures. You see more African-American men killing one another than a white man killing an African-American yeah. man. Yeah. And it's really sad. But this is what oppression does to people is it creates more marginalization mm-hmm. within an already marginalized community. Fear, rage. Mm-hmm. And so you have this show that does all of this wonderful stuff and then now it's I wouldn't say it's jeopardized. We're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because no. it's still a great still series, a great but fucking ironic in yeah. the worst possible way. <sighs> Terrible. Okay. So, so that's what you're watching. I'm just like really invested into like finishing the series now. And it's a great show. I've, yeah. I've seen the whole thing and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, well, that's what I got. I'll, I'll throw one out there. Well, first of all, I've been watching, um, so it's football season. It is. USC started tonight. <laughs> and um, so obviously we're recording this before you're hearing us. Um, but football season is about to start for us. But, you know, it starts, uh, we air this on Friday and it'll start that weekend. So that's exciting. So what I did was, is besides my four fantasy football teams, ladies and gentlemen, holy crap, I've been watching, you know, All or Nothing, which is a series on, I think, Amazon Prime, which is about football. Um, 
I've been watching all the different football shows, Hard Knocks, et cetera. Even if I've seen them before, I've been having that sort of run in the background while I'm doing stuff. So I'll just say that. That's Mm -hmm. one of my um, potato chip watching things where it's like light and lively. Yeah, we need Uh, that. that. Yeah, I watched some really bad romance movies as well. But the one thing I wanted to highlight was um, this is something that I've seen before. So I went down a road the other day where I decided I wanted to watch uh, sort of like budgeting or cleaning out of belongings. So like tidying up, you know, the different series, which Mm -hmm. is the KonMara method and um, the different ones where they, uh, how to budget, you know, how to have cheaper grocery, you know, I don't know. I got into a jag with it and I kind of went down a road and started watching all these things. And I came upon a documentary that I've actually watched before, but not in a long time. And I enjoyed it again. So it's called uh, food stamped. Okay. Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. It's a couple who decide to, uh, and it's, it was filmed a while ago. So the, the amounts are off. It would be, they would get more money these days, but what they do is they, as a couple, they decide to live on a food stamp budget. Mm. And so it, at the most at that time, the most you could get on food stamps was uh, $200 a month. Wow. And so what they did is they gave themselves the full budget. So it was $50 a week. And so they'd lived for the, the show documents a week on 50 bucks to pay to feed both of them Mm -hmm. so it's really interesting because she's like a nutrition person or a chef or something they sort Mm -hmm. of show her doing her job and um they film themselves um going grocery shopping and buying the $50 worth of food because they're not only going to do $50, they're going to eat healthy on $50. So that's the real challenge. I was going through my head Mm -hmm. thinking about, because I eat fairly healthy. Mm -hmm. I allow myself crap, but I eat fairly healthy. And I'm thinking as one person Mm -hmm. eating healthy, which is really not, it doesn't have to be expensive. You have to be more creative that's exactly but, right. Yeah, and yeah. that's where I'm because I've I've had people say, well, it it's so it's cost so much more. I'm like, no, it really you you have to you be have more to work creative, harder. and you actually don't need to eat as much because it's the crap food that's filled with the preservatives and makes you hungrier and all that. Yeah, it it was really interesting because they they let you go they you watch them buy the food and make decisions. You know. Um, do we buy this or do we buy that? Well, this is cheaper and that's cheaper. And we are going to buy, you know, brown rice instead of um, basmati because it's way cheaper. And they're buying things out of the bin, not the, not the packaged brown rice. You know, they're getting it out of the whole foods. uh, If you have whole foods or sprouts or Trader Joe's or whatever, they're out of the bin where you can do as much poundage as you want. So they 75 cents a pound. So they measure it all out. It's just like a lot more thought in the grocery store. And then they show her cooking the meals. They show her them eating the meals. They show um, them getting free bread out of the bakery's dumpster in the back um, because she wants uh, bread for a meal and they don't have any bread left and uh, getting samples from, they, they learn all of the places in town that have right. samples and cause they needed, she needed cheese for this dish, oh but she gosh. didn't, she, they couldn't afford to buy cheese. So she went and got samples of cheese like at so the grocery creative. store. Yeah. 
So she also had these meals that was like, you know, black bean soup and uh-huh. stews and different things. And, you know, I'm, you know, and the husband was being silly and they both did cop to, of course, we aren't really, we aren't really on food stamps. So, yeah. you know, let's call attention to that. But, you know, he would say, I want more peanut butter or whatever. She's like, no, you get one scoop a day. This is, you know, she, you show the container and it's like, this is all you get kind of thing. And they did that. So then. The takeaway, because you don't really have to watch it if you don't want to, but the takeaway is that at the end of the week, they take their meals and everything they ate for the week and they take it to a dietitian because they want the result. Like, were we healthy or not? Mm-hmm. Like, did we succeed or not? Um, and the dietitian, there's two takeaways from that. One is that they only ate about 17, 1800 calories a day mm-hmm. and they were both healthy, fit people. So they would have needed to eat more calories, mm-hmm. at least 2000. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that the budget is, it severely restricts your calorie Intake. count yeah. because of the amount that you can eat. So if you're that. active, it's harder. And, and mm-hmm. I'm a fairly active and person. And most healthy people are. Yeah. I'm very, fairly active and I do have to eat Twice, the days More. that I'm active, I eat one and a half times the amount I would eat on a Right, and so day. these are active people eating on a food stamp budget and still exercising and not eating. Right. So they're going to, the dietitian basically said if you sustain this, you would start to lose weight and neither one of you need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So there's that. The second takeaway was that look how much work it took to right. do this healthy. Mm-hmm. So if you've got three kids and you've got a lot of financial stress and all of this. And so that was the other takeaway is that you had to meal prep. You had to cook every single meal and eat at home. You had to go and get bread from the dumpster. You had to, you had to be very, very creative and work very hard to do it. And this yep. was just one week. It's crazy. We so, take, we so take advantage um, yes, of yes. you know those of us anyway, who can afford to feed ourselves appropriately. We take advantage of that. No, it's, it's absolutely, um, I, I felt really grateful afterwards, mm-hmm. but I was also, when I went grocery shopping today, I was also more mindful mm-hmm. of what I was putting in my cart. So, yep. I mean, just the awareness is, is always helpful. Um, there was one other thing. So I wanted to have a quick discussion about this. I wanted to make people aware because I thought this was interesting and it's, it's funny how this, this always works. It kind of generally works out for us is Kathy and I don't really talk too much about the show or plan too much before we talk about it. So I planned on talking about this before Kathy brought up her what she had been watching. So but it's in line with that. So. So this is about uh, the Gina Davis Institute, uh, mm-hmm. which is cjane.org uh, so s-e-e-jane.org. And for those of you who don't know, perhaps Gina has over the last several decades been um, a major force in gender in media research and a huge advocate of women and all uh, an LGBTQ perspective portrayals in in TV and film, but but it started as a personal, um, you know, she hit 40 and didn't get any roles, and then she's such a great woman that she decided to create change and leave a legacy. So we know that there's a growing awareness about the unconscious bias in casting and writing and the different things we do in media, um, but it was sort of like, how does... So I'm I'm always kind of looking at things from a producer's perspective, and I was thinking, I mean, they're saying, how does a a producer form an objective analysis about 
a project in terms of gender, age, disability, and LGBTQ portrayal. Like, if we have bias, you know how it is. It's like if we have bias, it's inherent. And so how do we check ourselves? Because it's there. So we have to check ourselves. Um, So one of the first efforts that they did is they came, uh, like there was a partnership, I guess, between uh, the Gina Davis Institute and Google on gender and media and USC's uh, School of Engineering. And they did a bunch of research um, that was face tracking and audio analysis. Um, And as far as like educating ourselves on women in media, And the results revealed that the idea of gender parity didn't exist and that the number of female characters was still abysmally low. They did a bunch of, I guess, research around um, representation. Like, were there women represented in the TV and media of the day? And what they found was that no. (laughs) No, there was not. And how pervasive it was. So they then additionally, they understood that the very real notion of like unconscious bias, right? Because the people creating those shows or writing for them would have were sort of saying, no, no, we have lots of women. We have, you know, it was unconscious to them. You know, the research was not bearing out that they were like, no, no, we, we have representation. And then they did these studies and sort of showed them and they're like, they were flabbergasted and and then there was this realization of like, okay, it's unconscious. Yeah. And so now that's, now that's what they're working on. So that's sort of the, like how their research developed is they did that first. That's how research always is. And then they realized, Oh, it's unconscious. So then how do we deal with that? Like, you know, how do we figure out how, how pervasive that is and how to target it? And so go ahead. I was just gonna say, for example, we have, unless I'm missing something, we don't have any female nighttime hosts. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, n- nothing big right. anyway. I, it real, right, real, right. I was all watching, the jimmies. We know all the jimmies. I was watching Ellen's. <laughs> Who I love, but. <laughs> I was watching Ellen's stand-up, Relatable, which is so fucking funny if you yeah, haven't seen it. Yeah, she's hilarious. And she says at one point when she's um, talking about how when she came out and how that her her TV personality died because of that and she made this joke mm-hmm. around uh, the agents going yeah we can't we can't have a lesbian on in that time of day and she's like so uh okay so nighttime doesn't work when would be a good time for a lesbian yeah to be when, on when for is a your talk show? factored time for lesbian television but i think that does i mean to, to your point or to yeah. this article's point yeah some of it's unconscious but some of it is marketing it's like yes can a woman sell a nighttime <laughs> mm-hmm. talk show you know we're used to the Jimmies were going. It was new, it's new territory, mm-hmm. and they've and they've thought about it and talked about it. I mean, I think Rosie O'Donnell was pitched a nighttime show and didn't want it. And they you get know, all they get all the daytime because women stay home and don't work. They fold laundry and watch daytime show. Right. It's still that mindset, but we it know is. that that isn't the truth anymore. Yeah, and I and I I do think that they've been trying to get a woman in there. They just haven't found the right, mm-hmm. and they're not trying enough. I'm not right. saying that they're trying hard enough. Right. Um, and things are going pretty well right now, so they don't really need to rock that boat because mm-hmm. the Jimmies are very successful. Um, but there's always there's always room for mm-hmm. throwing someone in. So, I mean, what they what they ended up doing, um, uh, Gina Davis Institute and the company that uh, Final Draft, which for those of you who don't know, Final Draft is the program that every single I mean I'm I'm overstating it, but 
f- for to my knowledge, every single writer in Hollywood uses Final Draft to to write their scripts, and it's the it's the standard. And so what she did was she partnered with Final Draft, and they created. Um, something called an inclusivity analysis feature that quickly measures ethnicity, gender, age, and disability in your character traits. And so it's like a free add-on for the final draft users. So this is where those research dollars are going, is that it's a free add-on. And the goal is to give filmmakers you know, maximum flexibility to measure character traits without imposing your own definition of that. So this program... You know, you're using this add-on when you're writing, and when you get to the end of your script, you can do this analysis of, do I have enough representation in that? Mm. So I thought that was really interesting. They want it to be, you know, as far as the tool, they want it to be like the gold standard of measuring gender equality and um, the intersection of storytelling with, with oh, I would imagine marginalized communities and all kinds of, yeah. you know, so that That's we get more idea. representation, right? And so... That was cool, and I wanted to share that. And um, yeah, I have one more thing. You go. I completely forgot about this. Please, Shannon diagnosed me. Oh boy, over the week with <laughs> foliomanic disorder. Yes, Shannon, what is that? No, you tell me. <laughs> it's an addiction, <laughs> an extreme. Euphoria, euphoric reaction mm-hmm. to the season of fall. <laughs> Foliomania. So I would just like to say. She's a crazy person. That there are two products that I. <laughs> She's going to recommend some fall products. Wait for it. For those of you out. Because I know. Mm-hmm. I know many of you are very excited that it's September. It's so important. The first product <laughs> is Mrs. Meyer's Apple Cider whatever it could be the soap (laughs) it could be the spray i go to target around third second week in august yeah and i actually will ask and say do you have it yet you buy them out this lady says to me (laughs) i go look i see the ape the the acorn one out you have to have this i think you have the soap she goes i think we have that in back how many do you want (laughs) it's like a drug deal give me two so she had to go in the back break open the box that wasn't on the shelf yet Gave me two because I use it through the whole year. I'm addicted mm-hmm. to this scent. Well, it just two smells lasts like the whole year. Well, because I use other cleaning products. Uh, oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. F off. The second will would be Oreo has a maple oh. cream right now. What? It's to die for. What? You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. And drop the mic. Okay, that's the foliomania giving you. <laughs> her advice thank you so much for listening to our shrink chat show my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of shrink chat if you enjoy what we do here there are two things you could consider subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our patreon page Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.